0: Hey everyone, I'm Adam and this is How Movies Get Made featuring the brilliant cinematographer, Will Turner, who I've gotten the pleasure to work with. Hello, Will. Hello. Thanks for being on. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Uh, Will has shot many commercials, features, short films, etc., cetera. Uh, and one short film that I definitely want to talk to you about today is called A Date in 2025, directed by Ryan Turner and This short film is available online, uh, on YouTube, has over six million views. First, we'll talk about how Will and director Ryan Turner pre-visualized their entire movie. Then Will analyzes his camera movement choices. And then we wrap it all up with some lessons we've learned from Happy Accidents On Set. Wake up, Daniel. Wake up, Daniel. Seriously, wake your sleepy ass up, Daniel. You need to ask that girl out on a date. On a real date. None of that VR BS. If you don't spend time with another real human being soon, you're going to kill yourself. Just because you're a cell, Daniel, doesn't mean you need to live in one. To dive in on a date in 2025, you mentioned to me before we got started here that you had about a full month of pre-production. What yeah. motivated that?
1: What Ryan ended up doing is he would go out and shoot the movie before we'd go shoot it. You know, he'd just go with a couple friends and um, you know just re- they'd hold the script and he just had a little handy camera would film it, and we ended up reshoot like rewriting. Because it just wasn't working. The script just wasn't hmm. at a place it needed to be. You know, uh, you read something on paper and it's like, okay, this makes sense, this is good. And then you see someone act it out and it just doesn't, it, it, what's on paper doesn't translate to what's on screen. But that that kind of just really elongated the process of pre-production. Um, you know, we had to scout for sci-fi locations. That's not the easiest thing to do. We're going kind of more classical sci-fi with... Everything's big and grand Um, and there's a few, there's a few locations in LA, but it's tough and you have to, we we scouted a few places, like a few studios that just didn't, didn't click enough. It wasn't, it was like, it was kind of more of that grunge
0: Mm.
1: look, not the, not the clean look. We were going Mm -hmm. more of a, more of a clean style.
0: Um, Yeah, what's that location that, that is the exterior or maybe it's an interior, but it felt like he had gone from his room to this other place to go on the date. What so is that location? It was amazing. That is, uh, I believe it's Emerson College. Oh, okay. Uh, in Hollywood, I think it's Emerson.
1: Um, and David, I actually, now that I've shot there, I've seen it
0: in a few other, mm-hmm. a few other TV shows. Um, it's funny how you recognize that stuff like you do an actor, and once you start shooting a lot. Yeah. In, in LA. <laughs> Um, so that, and I think, I believe those were actually the dorms
1: that Mm -hmm. you end up seeing. Like, I think they've got a bunch of dorms outside and it's this weird building in Hollywood that you never see. And then once you've been there, every time you drive by or oh yeah, there it is again.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's
1: next to the Netflix building. It's kind of over that that That's on Sunset, I
0: think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's a really cool design. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting, so you were adjusting your lighting plots and and shot designs throughout this month of pre-production.
1: Yeah, and also then with, we had a lot of constraints at our location. Um, So that took additional, yeah, I I think we really, we had a look that we were trying to aim for, a very glossy, Mm -hmm. clean look. Um, But, you know, you, we could really only kind of find that with angles. Then we found our location, and then we sort of started changing the lighting around. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't go into, um, I didn't really shot list with a lighting diagram earlier mm-hmm. on in this one. It was more because there, there were too many other obstacles
0: to kind of work around. Um, a lot of it just being
1: logistics.
0: This, right, this, you this had a certain problem. set of givens whether it's the location or the time constraints, and then you had to kind of make it work is what you're getting at.
1: Yeah, and then so lighting, lighting it's important, but it kind of took a bit of a back step to just, you know, trying to trying to film the angles on this guy, you know, a certain way. It's like, we tried to find the soul of it. I think with the, like the shot list, the soul of the shot list never changed. It was just like, okay, you know, this this entire scene is now gone. You know, the, like the ending kept changing. The ending was a big thing that kept changing.
0: Well, it seemed like you had another constraint that... I, tell me about how this came about, shooting at different frame rates.
1: Yes. So the original purpose of doing that, so we shot 48 frames a second, you know, the standard's 24. Um, we wanted this to be t- output at 24. Um, but what I did is I shot HDRX on the Red Dragon, which allows you to shoot your standard, just normal exposure, and then has a second exposure, it shoots simultaneously. I think we did ours three stops under. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, the purpose of that was our location. We were on, I think, the fifth floor down in the warehouse district, like at some, some artist loft. Um, there's no balcony. The windows are in the background of all the wides. Um, and it wouldn't have been easy to bring that exposure down and wouldn't have been easy to bring our exposure up. So the goal was shoot HDRX, blend those two together, but if you do that at 24, um, the way that HDRX works is it uses your shutter speed to change that exposure. So shooting you know, your more open shutter and then there's a, because di- it's a digital shutter, kind of, you end up getting just part of the exposure On the uh, what's called the X track, which is the the darker track, right? Um, So if you shoot that at at twenty-four frames, you have you have a lot of motion blur in your twenty-four frames standard track, and it doesn't it doesn't blend with your sharper shutter of your X track. So you've got like kind of those weird blurred lines, like your blurred edges, and and um, but if you forty-eight your shutter's a little bit quicker and it it just, it's easier to blend. So the original idea was blend both of these, add a motion blur, convert it back to 24 frames a second. Hmm. So we end up getting this like very smooth, smooth, high dynamic range. Um, It also lifts your shadows quite a bit by doing that. Um,
0: The way that the blending sort of works. Um, Even though one of the versions is a little underexposed? Yeah, just the blending process just sort of like
1: it just it gets very flat. Um, and it's different. It's very different looking. Um, you have to add a motion blur back on top of it, or else it's, it looks too kind of choppy. Mm-hmm. Um, and what ended up happening is that, and I think this is a reason that a lot of DPs insist on lets in camera, they insist on a certain look in camera. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not that you're looking to, um, you know, that's, you know, I've set this let, this has to be this way, no color corrections. No, this is, you want for the next few months when your director and your editor are looking at something, you kind of want to show them the intention. You want to show them the intended look so that when you go to color grade it, it doesn't go vastly different. Um, you know, if you're, if you're just, if you're not using any LUTs, you know, if you're just using like a normal rec 709 like you get used to that look it's hard to then go another direction even if you intended that and so um they actually really ended up liking the look without the hdrx track and then also when we got into the post we um we, we ran out of money i think to make every single shot a vfx shot because that's it turns into like it has to be vfx or your colorist is spending you know forever doing doing multiple link um, so I kind of got overruled on that one and they ended up, uh, we, you know, I was a part of the color grade, but yeah, we ended up getting overruled, which is fine. I, I ended up liking the look.
0: Um, so you're it, saying you didn't end up applying that HDR blending as much in the finished product. We, we, it's not in there at all. Wow. So we, Yeah. Um,
1: so, so it's just stick- a simple
0: 48 to 24 conversion yeah. without any fancy stuff on top.
1: Yeah. There's, yeah, we didn't change anything about it. So it kind of gives a different, but it doesn't look like just a faster shutter speed. Because mm-hmm. that's something that, you know, a lot of people change your shutter speed for something a little more chaotic or a different look. Right. Shooting at 48 changes your shutter, but you're also, you know, you're still at a 180 shutter degree. You're still at a normal shutter. Um, so it, it's it's still smoother. Mm. Um, it doesn't feel as juddery as a
0: 90-degree as a shutter would have been. Right, um, right. So some of the things you did plan for mechanistically did end up contributing to the final look. It's just you had to kind of manage those expectations maybe on the next one. <laughs> yeah. So that, yeah.
1: It, but we definitely chose... So that was all the 48. And then the 24... Um, as soon as he leaves his apartment, he goes outside, we're back to 24. We didn't, mm. we intentionally didn't continue that look. We wanted it to sort of feel a little bit more normal. Right. So we kind of wanted something to feel off and then feel normal. Um, it came through, it worked, but yeah, we didn't use, the X-track was never touched.
0: Interesting. And it's yeah. interesting that you're talking about this, uh, you know, kind of intended uh, flattening of the, of the image. Uh, because this feels very Black Mirror, obviously, uh, a sci-fi dealing with the personal consequences of technology in the future, in the n- not-too-distant future. Yeah. Um, and in particular, the look, you know, kind of feels like that episode Nosedive that has a very pastel-feeling, like, candy-coated look um, that it seems like you and Seamus McGarvey, the director of photography on that episode, kind of both gravitated to uh, what influenced that, those choices in the first place.
1: Um, you know, we wanted, we wanted a very clean look, you know, we wanted something that I think it's, you know, it's the feeling of like, what, what kind of future are we trying to show? And I think it's something that, you know, corporations have kind of taken over, you know, everyone's life's a little bit simpler, um, mm-hmm. cause it's like, you know, don't worry about it. The corporations will,
0: will take care of it for you. The app will be your convenience. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think with that comes um, like a smoother, more polished look. Um, But, you know, if you look at, if you look at the art direction, it's, you know, we're still in like a building that feels old. It just feels like everything was sort of, you know, we're not in like, we had options of very clean clinical locations and we, Mm -hmm. we didn't choose that. You know, we chose like, we chose something that looked like it was, you know, can just convert into like a modern housing. I was really trying to go after um, the outside world, trying to make its way in mm. was also, that was the goal of the lighting. Um, and so the, and that's, that's why we were looking at doing the HDR Xs. You know, right. I'm trying to, I was trying to preserve the outside world and just show some of that. So, um, you know, it just And the way we ended up lighting just turned it sort of into a big... One side of the room had all the light, the other side either was just a natural bounce back or we had a negative fill. Um, but we really didn't... We did not do a lot of fill lighting. Um, mm. But, you know, it's, we're kind of in a bit of a white box. Um, so And it was very controlled. Uh, and we had, I think we were south-facing, so we always kind of had the sun coming in. Um, so it wasn't... It wasn't too hard to late. Gotcha. You know, was-
0: yeah, it's almost like the practical uh, story motivation of uh, you know this this outside world creeping in more and more. Yeah. worked well with the location that you're saying has kind of the sun always coming in, but also is limited in where you can put lights and things like that. Um, so it and- seems like you were able to make that work nicely.
1: And part of that, too, is, you know, using soft light, Mm -hmm. you know, we never, there's no hard light and at any point really in his, um, uh, in in his apartment. Um, Yeah, we just, we just tried to keep a very soft illumination with a little bit of contrast going.
0: Right. Uh, Like the glow from a phone rather than something like. Extremely harsh coming in.
1: Yeah, that you know, we didn't want like that. Just the sun beaming through a window. We didn't want beams of light. Um, Yeah, it was. This one was really all about just staying very soft and very. um, I think. I think also too a lot of a lot of there's a lot of color tone matching. Mm. We worked with with our art department to like. There's a lot of blue. Like almost everything is blue in this apartment. Yeah. Um, and, you know, art, art department really, they really dictate the look of most things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you, if you change your background, you change up art, total different
0: look. What kind of influenced some of your camera movement choices? Um, a lot of that
1: was just, we were trying to stay very, you know, very controlled, very fly on the wall. Uh, I kind of feel sometimes, you know, if you're handheld in the wrong scenario, Mm -hmm. you the viewer feels like they're in the room you know they feel like they they, you can make a a camera sometimes feel like you're a character you know you you know you have you have to be very careful with how you do that um we tried to make it feel like like we we the audience are not in the room he is alone Mm -hmm. um and i think if i if i went handheld you know, there, there's times, there's definitely times that, that we probably could have gotten away with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't want to distract. I didn't want the camera work to ever distract mm-hmm. from, our, from our character and what he was doing. And, and, and I never want, I always wanted to feel like he is alone. And, you know, a solitary camera never feels like,
0: you know, that there's someone with them. You know, right, right. You don't identify with the subjectivity to the point where you're in the room with them. It's more of this objective look in.
1: Yeah. Like, you know, if I ever watch a movie and it's someone trying to hide in the woods or, you know, they're in a closet Mm. trying to hide or get somewhere trying to hide. And there's a handheld camera. Not always, but sometimes you feel like, oh, they're not alone anymore. Mm. And that could lead to, oh, someone's chasing them. Mm. Yeah, you don't want them to feel alone, but. If if the story is that they are alone and you're handheld, it's well, the only time you're handheld is when there's someone with you. Um, Interesting.
0: Interesting. So it's
1: it's it's a way that you can you know in, impose on the viewer how to feel is is handheld or not. And I think we just wanted something that was like kind of flawless, smooth moves mm-hmm. because it should kind of, it's in the future, it should feel flawless match with, you know, all this, everything is pristine in this house. Mm-hmm. There's not much, but it's all pristine. And I think, um, and then to go with that it too, uh, it's definitely easier for VFX and the kind that we had here. Um, you know, I think that, right. was, that wasn't a major contributor to it, but it was definitely like, hey, if you're gonna knock a hand out, it also makes VFX on like, you know, a little short film where we don't have a lot of money It'll mm-hmm. you know, help speed up that process. It'll make his life easier. Um, sometimes VFX, you know, it looks a little funky. If you always, you should always move the camera when you're doing VFX. Right. But you know, because if it's just on a tripod, that looks fake too. So you need to kind of move a little bit. Mm. But you don't. Um, you don't want to go so handheld that like the viewer has no idea what's happening.
0: Um, Right. Unless you're doing a movie like uh, Cloverfield or something where the idea is to like kind of have this lurking thing in the background. But to your point, this film, A Day in 2025, is much more about we are looking in on this world that is not ours. And it's a character that's not us. Probably because of some of the morality tale aspects of it that, you know, we... Find out from watching the film, which you all should. What kind of discoveries and explorations did you get to have with Ryan and Sasha in in the filming of this this movie? There's
1: one big master shot that we really kind of live mostly in. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a ton of shots planned. We were running out of time that day. I think that was our last day at that location. Mm-hmm. Um, and we set down this big dolly track, and the the intent was okay, we can shoot this angle from here and then we'll cut to this shot and during that process, we'll move it to the next spot and just keep shooting. And they turned into this moving master that it was never intended to be, but it completely worked. Just, you know, getting a certain, uh, uh, just, you know, point A to B to C mm-hmm. dur- you know, during his speech and it, it ended up working out really well.
0: Um, Interesting. So the constraints of, what was a three-day shoot, right? Very impressive yeah. for three days to get this much, uh, this much coverage in general, and and so you were just running out of time, and you weren't planning on moving the master at first. We we had a
1: series of we had like ten shots and like an hour to get through those. Yeah. Um, so we just had a dolly track down work. Like, okay, we're you know we'll take this shot and move it to here. We'll take that shot, move it to there, mm. and we'll just dolly between them. Um, and the dolly ended up. Becoming the thing, and it, it sort of evolved that way, um, you know, very quick. And it just, it, you know, you see a performance through the lens, and you're like, okay, no, I don't. We don't need any other shot. Like that one worked. Um, yeah,
0: and it's cool for that moment too because he's about to break out of this box. Yeah. So that seemed to work and, really well. well. Then we also and, had a
1: bad, a bad one that really affected the film. Okay. Um, so we go to the, we go to uh, the college where we, you know, we do the outside exterior, like the big sci-fi looking place. Um, we had a steady cam operator that day. Hmm. There's no no cam shots in this film.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so what happened is they have these huge lights that light up the entire um, exterior facade of, of this college. And we're talking like 20 just massive lights.
0: Um,
1: I think they're HID lights, but I'm not sure. But they're. we found out that they were on a timer and they went off at, it was like, 10.45 or like 11.45, like it wasn't the time that you would assume they'd go off. Mm-hmm. And no one ever, we never checked into like, right into any of that, I guess. Um, and the location never told us that the lights are on a timer. So we had shot everything else. The steady cam was the last shot of the day. And we were going to take him from the bridge um, to, to our actress, like do one big smooth following, you know, leading like we'd rehearsed it. Um and then all those lights turned off and they wouldn't they wouldn't turn it back on. Like you know, we're already that's our last shot of the whole film that we're about to shoot. And it just uh we didn't end up getting that. So there was a little we didn't need it. It wasn't necessary. You know, the story still told the same way, but there's an you know we were ready to go and it <laughs> Like the camera was on the vest, like he was ready to shoot. We'd already rehearsed one. Wow, we should have shot. Should have shot that rehearsal, um, mm. which I don't often like doing. And I do.
0: But and yeah, when we shot together, <laughs> we noticed that. But yeah,
1: um, but yeah. So that that was a that was also an accident, you know. Right, and,
0: but you didn't need it after all. You know, it. it you end up with no. a a nice, you know, confined moment with the two of them.
1: Yeah. And I, and I wish we had more shots at that location. That was very limited. I kind of, mm-hmm. it's, you can point the camera any direction there. It's And you can get some really cool stuff. Um, I bet. But it just turned into, we could, you know, we had a company move to that spot. We had four or five hours to do it all. Um, and it, it, it was about the two people meeting up and getting that moment, right. right? It wasn't about anything else other than, you know, he shows up, he looks at her. And then you have to get them together. So,
0: right, um, you You had to prioritize the other stuff first, anyways. Yeah, make sure those beats were captured. But yeah,
1: yeah, and we, um, and that was a that was a pretty decent lighting package that we had to use for that area. You know, we didn't Mm -hmm. we didn't have the biggest budget. We didn't have a ton of lights, but um, you know, we had enough to to do what we needed to do there.
0: Okay. Well, sometimes that's how movies get made. So thanks thanks for taking the time, Will, to talk about your process on on all this. You can catch more of Will's work uh, on his website, turnercinematography.com, or on Instagram at turnercine. Thank you. Thanks. See you later.